Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, September 28th edition of the Land Grant Holy Land Tailgate podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching the game at the shoe, road tripping to an away game, or enjoying it from the comforts of your own home. However, I will not be doing it all on my own, as every week we will be joined by 610 WTVN sports reporter, the legendary Lori Schmidt, for her unique insights into the game with a peek under the hat. Today, the fifth-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes head out on the road for their first primetime contest of the 2019 season as they visit Tom Osborne Field at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, and play the 3-1 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Lincoln will also be the host of ESPN's College Game Day, which will start at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Worldwide Leader, and actress and Nebraska native Gabrielle Union will be the day's guest picker. The game itself will kick off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time and will be ABC's Game of the Week, which means that it will feature Chris Fowler on the call, former Ohio State captain Kirk Herbstreet providing color commentary, and Maria Taylor on the sideline. As always, the game can be heard on both 97.1 FM and 1460 AM, where the voice of the Buckeyes' Paul Keels will be on the call, along with Ohio State and NFL legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary and Matt Andrews doing the sideline reporting. The temperature in Lincoln will be 63 degrees at kickoff with a 30% chance of rain. The line for the game opened at 15 points, but is up to 17.5 points at Bovada as of recording time. You might be able to still find it at 17 points elsewhere, though, if that half point makes a difference for you. The over-under for the game is at 67 at Bovada, but I have seen it at 67.5 other places as well. Following not covering in the season opener against Florida Atlantic, the Buckeyes are 3-0 against the spread ever since and have hit the over in the last two games. On Friday, head coach Ryan Day released the Buckeyes' depth chart and availability report, and for the first time this season, Buckeye senior captain Jonathan Cooper will be back to play defensive end opposite Chase Young. Cooper is currently designated as the co-starter with sophomore Tyler Friday. Also returning to the defensive line will be senior nose tackle Robert Big Bob Landers. Starting offensive right guard Brandon Bowen will be a game-time decision and is listed as the co-starter with former five-star sophomore Nicholas Petit-Ferrer at the position. Also out will be freshman wide receiver Cameron Babb, senior defensive tackle Noah Donald, freshman safety Ronnie Hickman, sophomore linebacker Taraja Mitchell, freshman defensive tackle Brett Novick, senior captain H-back C.J. Saunders, sophomore defensive end Tyreek Smith, and sophomore defensive tackle Teron Vincent. During his Tuesday press conference, Day said, quote, Got a real big challenge ahead of us this week. By far the best team that we've played. Not only just talent and coaching, but also the environment we're going to be walking into. As I said before on the season, the Huskers are 3-1, and one, and they won their lone Big Ten game last week with a thrilling come-from-behind 42-38 victory over the Fighting Levy Smiths of Illinois. Nebraska also has wins over South Alabama 35-21 to open the season, and Northern Illinois 44-8, and the L on their schedule was a 34-31 defeat in Boulder to one of their old Big 12 rivals, the Colorado Buffaloes. The Huskers were actually up 17-0 at half for that game, but in the fourth quarter, down 17-14, the Buffs head coach, former Ohio State assistant Mel Tucker, caught a flea flicker from his own four-yard line that went for a 96-yard touchdown to give Colorado their first lead of the day. I have a feeling we might be seeing video of that sometime during ESPN or ABC's coverage in Lincoln today. Now, the Huskers will not be busting out their all-black alternate jerseys for this primetime matchup on national TV, but Memorial Stadium is 
always rocking, as Day alluded to. So the environment should be fantastic tonight as the crowd will likely be liquored up on some good old corn whiskey or whatever it is that they drink out there. All right, we're going to get into the numbers in the matchup shortly. But before we do, after a short break, we will be talking to 610WTVN's Lori Schmidt. We are joined once again by 610WTVN's Lori Schmidt. Lori, I feel like this is the, the fifth time we've done this this season. It's the first time where there feels like there are some legitimate actual stakes involved, and no offense to FAU, Cincinnati, Indiana, and Miami. But this is a game that, while those stakes might have decreased a bit since the start of the season, especially on Nebraska's side, um, this one feels like there's some oomph behind it for the first time all season. That's certainly the way the players have portrayed it. In fact, Haskell Garrett told us that this is a game that the defense, at least, has had circled on their calendar since February. So it it is definitely a game that has that feel to Buckeye players. And I assume what Garrett was talking about is because of the specific unique threat that quarterback Adrian Martinez brings to the game? Haskell's explanation was that they expected this game to be a real test for the defense. He didn't specifically cite Adrian Martinez's uh, performance, but one would think that factors a big part into it because he is truly a quarterback who can throw and run. And he's actually somebody who got a lot of discussion during the press conferences this week with Ryan Day. In fact, Ryan Day sound, and I'm going to read between the lines. I know you don't do this because you're an actual reporter. You're not going to put words (laughs) in his mouth. But watching those press conferences and people asking about Adrian Martinez's visit to Ohio State, uh, the reason he did not get an offer from Ohio State, which Martinez said he would probably have accepted, um, Ryan Day said was because he was injured and he didn't play his senior season, so they didn't have senior film, so they weren't comfortable giving it, uh, giving him an offer. To me, it sounded like what he was saying was, I wanted to give him an offer. Urban Meyer did not without the senior film. Uh, because he spoke glowingly of not only what a player Adrian Martinez is, but what a person and a leader that he thinks he is as well. I don't know that I would go that far, only because Ryan Day has said that it's his policy not to take a quarterback that he has seen live. Um, So it it does actually sound like it was uh, a Ryan Day decision. I guess we'll know if we see a quarterback in the future who – Ryan Day has not seen live that gets an offer, (laughs) but uh, right now he says that that's his his own personal policy. And so let's, let's make it clear. It's not just that he didn't play his senior year because there's definitely been players that Ohio state has taken without them playing their senior season. Um, It's just that Ryan Day had not seen him live before he hurt himself. Yeah. And it was a weird situation too, because that was, Ryan Day's first year in Columbus. So I don't know if he Mm -hmm. actually really even knew who he was until he got that job in January. So he wouldn't have had the chance to see him as a junior live because he had come in, you know, from the NFL uh, to take the job at Ohio State. But um, all right, Lori, let's get into some of the the interesting news and notes that you have jotted down in your handy dandy notepad throughout the week. This is a (laughs) this is literally a historic and historical game. Uh, for these two programs, uh, for something that actually couldn't have happened until last week. That's right. This is only the second ever college football game to feature two teams with 900 wins 
in program history. And again, you, you alluded to the fact that it was only made possible because Nebraska beat Illinois because that was their 900th win. Now, I mentioned that this was the second of these type of games. The first also involved Ohio State. It was last year's Ohio State-Michigan game. Yeah, that was uh, one that went very well for Ohio State. So I, I think that they would very much like to see a repeat of that one in this second 900 versus 900 game. But what's interesting is, is this is a game that the Buckeyes are playing at night for the first time this season. This team hasn't played a night game yet, which seems kind of crazy. But the Huskers, despite this not being one of their blackout games where they wear the black alternate jerseys, they've been very, very good at night games at Tom Osborne Field at Memorial Stadium. They've won 21 of their last 23 such contests. So, yeah, they have been very good in that category. Uh, but I think one of their losses was 2017 to Ohio State. So one of their yeah. two losses in that span, <laughs> I think, was to the Buckeyes. So uh, not always a, a charmed history when it comes to playing the Scarlet and Gray. Well, and Ryan Day mentioned at his press conference that this was going to be the biggest challenge that they've faced all year, not only because of talent and coaching, but because of that environment that they are able to create with Husker fans uh, in night games there. So I, I think that that certainly plays a part in it. I don't think that it's necessarily going to be a deciding factor in the game, but um, I heard somebody, and I can't remember where I heard it, but um, someone said that, oh, actually it was on a Land Grant Holy Land podcast on the uh, uh, Burn Down the Big Ten podcast, where one of one of the guys said that, while the big house might be the quietest 120,000 people you ever hear, the fans at Memorial Stadium might be the loudest 75,000, 80,000, whatever it is, because that place is rocking. So it uh, should be a fun environment to watch a game in, uh, nonetheless, uh, even if it's not necessarily the great contest that we thought it might be. But another thing that's interesting, Laurie, we, we've seen Ohio State start kind of slow in pretty much all of its games uh, this season, or at least a large number of them, getting maybe not down uh, like 5 nothing to Miami, but being at 7-3 against Indiana after the first quarter, that's something that could very easily replicate itself against Nebraska because they are scoring fairly early, maybe not often, but fairly early in most of their games this season. Well, Nebraska does actually tend to score both early and often. They have a pretty explosive yeah. offense. Uh, with Adrian Martinez and, and J.D. Spielman leading the way one, and Scott Frost coaching the team, uh, they, they can't almost help but get into the end zone quite a bit. But, yes, they are also scoring early. They have scored on three of their four opening drives this year. And, and that's just part of – they have a really explosive team, Matt. They have one of the top teams in the country, 15th nationally in the number of 50-yard plays that they have accumulated. Yeah, and that's something that Ohio State has done pretty well on this season, have not given up a ton of chunk plays. But last year, that was a a, a bugaboo for Ohio State uh, on defense. And they gave up, I, I think it was like 113th in terms of, of plays of 15 or 20 yards or more. Uh, so fortunately, that's not something that Ohio State has dealt with a ton this year. But if anyone is going to break that seal, it is probably going to be the Huskers. Nebraska, to me, Matt, they're the flying Melindas of of the Big Ten. They, they work without a net. They, they've got these really weird stats, okay? So, but they are both 15th nationally in the number of 50-yard-plus plays that their offense has acquired. They're also 92nd in the number of 50-yard plays that they've allowed. They are uh, 
They're just, one of the... And just to be clear, Lord, 92nd is in, like, the bottom third or something, not as in, like, the 92nd fewest, like... The, the the fewest numbers would be one on that. I always it's always confusing on the defensive numbers. What's the top and what's the bottom? Yeah, this this is definitely a bottom number. Yes, but they are one of the top teams in the country when it comes to interceptions. But their passing defense has struggled. They've got a really formidable offense, but they give up tackles for loss like crazy. They they're 120th in that category. So it's to me they are the flying Melindos of the Big Ten. They they are defying gravity one minute, but working without a net and crashing hard the next. Could could go splat next. Yeah. Um. You mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to linger on that one too much. You you mentioned their inclination to intercept balls on defense. What's super funny about that is is they are great at takeaways, not so good in terms of holding onto the ball themselves on offense. It's incredible. They are the top team in the Big Ten in terms of takeaways. They are fifth nationally in takeaways. Their turnover margin is minus one on the season. <laughs> they That takes talent. I mean, there are ways in which they don't look like a disciplined team. They are 71st in the number of penalties per game that they, they acquire. They turn over the ball. They are explosive because they are risk takers. And with risk taking, sometimes the risk doesn't pay off. Um, but yes, their, their turnover margin, considering that they have two players with two picks each and they are the best Big Ten team at snagging passes out of the air, is outstanding that they have minus one turnover margin on the year. It's incredible. Well, and a lot of that actually goes back to Martinez. Martinez has had an issue coughing the ball up this season. And a lot of people looking at advanced stats and thanks to Bill Connolly, who's now at ESPN, we kind of have popularized this idea of fumble luck, where the football being an oblong shape is not necessarily going to bounce in one team's direction every time. So at some point, those are going to even out. But when you start seeing a team or a player fumble it that many times, the the, the, the number of those 50% bounces the other way increases. So this is much more seems to be an issue with ball security than just bad luck on fumbles bouncing the other way so far in this early season. Well, and in Adrian Martinez's defense, um, he's working behind an offensive line that isn't protecting him as much as a more experienced line could do. They have no seniors up there and their center was playing tight end a year ago. He's the Ooh, first redshirt or true freshman. He's obviously a redshirt since he was a tight end last year. But he is the first freshman of any type to start at center for Nebraska since the NCAA started allowing freshmen to play again in 1972 when they restored their eligibility. So <laughs> that is, I mean, I remember when Reed Fragle went from tight end to the exterior of the line, he can go to center. I, that's a move that is just mind-boggling to me. Ohio State has had so much success with cycling players from guard, uh, I mean, I think maybe even a tackle at some point in the last decade, over to center, that moving guys in to play center when that's not been the position they were necessarily recruited as is normal. Not from a tight end, though. That's, uh, that's very unusual. So um, you mentioned the fact that this offensive line does lead to some issues with Adrian Martinez holding the ball, but he is 
an incredibly explosive player, like you mentioned. What has the you, you talked with a lot of the players earlier this week? Did anyone on defense give any kind of inclination as to what they will be doing to try to minimize his ability, especially outside of the pocket? They call it keeping him in the tunnel, which I guess means not allowing him out of the pocket. Uh, they say that that's the key this week. Uh, obviously, Ohio State's defensive backs also say that you've you've got to keep an eye on him because if he breaks contain, they're going to have to get up and, and involved in tackling, not just pass defense. So uh, they I control for the defensive backs and for the players in the front seven, keeping Adrian Martinez in the tunnel, as they say, is going to be key this week. You talked about the defensive plan against Nebraska's offense. On the other side of the ball, Nebraska's defense last year was pretty horrendous, um, and they've gotten significantly better this year. But from an offensive standpoint, do you think that we might actually see more creativity out of the Buckeyes this week? Because I think there's a lot of people who feel like they've been keeping some things closer to the vest, especially when it comes to Justin Fields' running ability. Yes, the, it's it's funny you say that because one of the things that Ohio State has deservedly received a lot of credit for is being so versatile on offense. Um, they have run a lot of different plays, but as you alluded to, not a lot of those plays has, has had uh, Justin Fields running loose. I think he's averaging eight uh, rushing plays a game, so he's it's not like he's just running all over opposing defenses. And most of the time that he's running, it's because of a breakdown in a play, not because it was right. a planned run. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's something we might see more this week because it's if there's one thing in the Ohio State arsenal that they haven't unleashed, because they've used a lot of different plays in their playbook, that, that's the one type of play that they haven't gone to a whole lot yet. Yeah, and for – Obvious reason, I think. You, you, there was no necessarily need to put Justin Fields in the potential line of danger outside of the pocket because you were going to beat these teams by 40 either way. I don't know necessarily that they need to use that weapon at this point in the season. Uh, I don't know that it's going to matter against Nebraska. It might matter in the margin of victory or if they cover, but I think they can probably still beat Nebraska doing what they've been doing in the first four weeks, especially when you've got games against Michigan State, even Northwestern, and then Wisconsin. Um, later in October, like it, that might be something you hold on to if you don't need it, but we will see. Um, a couple things I want to close here uh, on Lori. One, from a, an on the field perspective, um, Nebraska may never kick the ball at all uh, later today, whether that's from a place kicking perspective, a uh, a punting perspective. They're having some issues when it comes, especially uh, with the specialists, aren't they? Yeah. Their kicking situation has been a little crazy to the, the point where, you know, first of all, they suffered an injury at kicker. And as uh, several Nebraska coaches have been quoted as saying, how often do you see an injury to the kicker? They handle kickers at Nebraska very seriously. You know, they have them, they, they compare them to pitchers in baseball, which is actually a, a pretty good comparison. Like pitchers are on a pitch count. Kickers in Nebraska are on a kick count. They make them warm up for a long time before they kick for the first time. So the fact that their their starting kicker this year has missed uh, extensive time with injury has been weird. The fact that they had the punter taking kicks in his absence was really weird. Uh, and then he was getting kicks blocked. So they had a 
walk on DB handling their point after attempts. So <laughs> that was even weirder still. And then on top of all that, they brought a, a another walk on in and Nebraska is a team with a lot of walk ons, Matt, already. They, they have a 153 man roster. Wow. It's the largest of any school. That's not a service Academy. So they have a lot of walk ons to begin with. They brought in another one because he played soccer and he's a Cubs fan. And he can kick a ball, so... Uh, <laughs> because he's a Cubs fan. That's good. Well, yeah. I'm exaggerating slightly, but that's the re- reason no, that Scott Frost says he likes the kids. So I, I found that a little bit amusing. So um, they brought in a soccer player to, to kick. So we'll we'll see where their kicking situation stands later today. Yeah, well, if, if it comes down to field goals uh, to beat Ohio State, I, I think uh, Buckeye fans will probably feel feel pretty good. But all right, Lori, let's end this on one last very Lori Schmidt stat. Uh, and that has <laughs> to do, do you, you know what you know where I'm going with this one? I think I know where you're going, brother. Uh, yeah, there you go. Thank you. So you know, Ohio State's had its share of brothers, uh, the the Borans, the Bosas, obviously, and you go with the whole family connections with the Pugiches and the Hoax and and all that stuff. But uh, this team, I don't know if it's a Nebraska Midwest kind of thing, but there are a lot of brothers on this team. There are five sets of brothers on this team, including twin defensive linemen Carlos and Cleo. They're a very interesting pair of twins to begin with because they're both defensive linemen. It's an it, it's not like they're both football players. They're both defensive linemen. Um, they're both track stars. They both uh, throw the discus and have had a lot of success in that. And they have both graduated. So they are very twinny twins. <laughs> they they, they, uh, they play uh, for Nebraska, and they're part of, again, their five sets of brothers. But believe it or not, there is a team with fewer players on their roster because again, Nebraska is a 153-man right. roster, but a smaller roster, but just as many brothers. And I think you uh, you can guess what team this is. I can because there's a there's actually an Ohio connection with uh, with some of them, right? Are the Herb Street brothers both? Uh, are they are they both there yet, or is it just one Herb Street there now? Honestly, I don't know because we haven't played them, so I have not. <laughs> but it's Clemson, right? So they're not they're not in my notebook, except for the fact that it is indeed Clemson. Yes, Jake and Tyler Herbstreet, both freshmen, on the Clemson Tigers roster. So there you go. We got we got one there, of the one of the uh, the uh, the Clemson tw- uh, brother pairs out. Let's we'll, we'll figure out the other four when we uh, end up seeing Ohio State play them in the playoff or something. There you go. There you go. I have room in my notebook. <laughs> Very good. Well, Lori, uh, thank you so much for running through all this stuff with us. This is a this is a fun one. I, I'm I'm really excited for. Uh, this game tonight, it is, is going to be an interesting test, no matter what happens for the Buckeyes and, and probably something where we learn a lot about both teams. So, uh, enjoy the game. Are you pushing buttons back at the studio? I am. I, I'm doing that and I am manning our social media. So, oh, fine. you know, follow us on Twitter. Yeah. What, what is that handle there? At 610 WTVN news. 610 WTVN news. And of course you're at Lori Schmidt. Uh, if you, and I am at Lori Schmidt. Yes. Some, I got on Twitter early enough that I got my actual name. Yeah. And, uh, somehow still not verified, but you know, <laughs> that's a sore subject. I know. I'm sorry. All right. Well, enjoy the game and, uh, we'll talk to you <laughs> next week for, uh, Michigan state. Always a pleasure, Matt.
Don't forget to tune in to the best Buckeye coverage on your radio dial on 610 WTVN before and after the game today. We will be back for a look inside the numbers and a prediction after this quick break. Nebraska comes into tonight's game looking to buck some pretty serious historical trends. During the playoff era, the Huskers have faced 18 teams who eventually finished the season ranked in the AP poll. They have gone 1-17 and in those games. Also, since joining the Big Ten in 2011 as a ranked team against other ranked teams, Nebraska is 2-11 and with both of those wins coming all the way back in 2011. That, of course, includes their 34-27 comeback victory over the Buckeyes, which saw Joe Bowserman replace Braxton Miller and proceed to spray balls all over Memorial Stadium except into the hands of Buckeyes. He went 1-for-10 throwing the ball that game. In the storied histories of these two programs, that 2011 game is the only time that Nebraska has beaten Ohio State. The Buckeyes are 6-1 against the Huskers and 1-1 in Lincoln. The Buckeyes won the initial matchup in Columbus in 1955 during Howard Hopalong Cassidy's Heisman Trophy season 28-20, then followed up with a 34-7 victory in 56, also in the shoe. They then rekindled the series as conference foes in 2011. Since then, OSU has won four straight in the series by a combined score of 217-86. to However, last year the Buckeyes had to gut out a pretty tumultuous 36-31 to win in the shoe. Now, a lot has changed for both teams since that matchup, but one consistent is Nebraska quarterback sophomore Adrian Martinez, who combined for 338 yards passing and rushing against a Buckeye defense very much prone to giving up big plays last season. We'll talk more about Martinez here in a minute. But heading into Week 5, Football Outsiders F-Plus has OSU ranked as the third best team in the country, with Nebraska at 41st. The Buckeyes made a pretty big jump in the SP-Plus rankings from ESPN's Bill Connolly as they went from 5th to 2nd, as there is more data for the formula to factor in. The Buckeyes are currently the only team in the country with a top 5 SP-Plus rating on both offense and defense, coming in exactly at 5th in both. SP Plus has the Huskers as 35th, three spots behind Indiana, with the 30th best offense and 47th best defense, according to the analytics. Connolly's data projects a 39-20 win for the Buckeyes and gives them an 86% win probability. That means if you are betting off of SP Plus, maybe don't pick against the spread and take the under. College Football Nerd's computer model has Ohio State winning the game 46-13, with OSU rushing for 5.84 yards per carry, throwing for 9.4 yards per passing attempt, for a grand total of 6.82 yards per play. They also have Nebraska going for 4.7 yards per carry, 9.5 yards per pass, and 4.7 yards overall. In his game preview on land-grant Holy Land, our Chad Peltier noted that according to the analytics, Nebraska's defense is actually much better than you might assume just based on thumbing through the box score. They are 36th in average defensive expected points added and 26th in overall success rate. Most of their key defensive analytics are in the 20s, but they shoot up to 9th in havoc rate, which means that they will be looking to get after Justin Fields tonight. Nebraska ranks 6th in the country in tackles for loss, just 8 behind the Buckeyes, who are currently in 2nd. The aforementioned Adrian Martinez has completed 61.5% of his throws on the season for 9.7 yards per attempt. He's thrown 7 touchdowns and 2 interceptions, but as we talked about before with Laurie, he has been prone to cough up the ball quite a bit. 
He is also one of three players for the Huskers with over 200 yards rushing. Maurice Washington leads the team with 268. Diedrich Mills has 246, and Martinez is gone for 234. However, keep an eye on freshman Wandell Robinson. Not only does his first name have a chilling similarity to Rondale Moore's, but they are also from the same hometown and have the same trainer. But Robinson also had a breakout game against the Illini last week, rushing for 89 yards and a TD while picking up 79 receiving yards and two touchdowns through the year. The Huskers' leading receiver is, of course, J.D. Spielman, the nephew of Ohio State legend Chris Spielman and the son of Minnesota Vikings general manager Rick Spielman. J.D. has 383 yards and a score on the year. The Huskers have four players with four TFLs, Will Honus, Jojo Doman, and Khalil Davis, one of the twins that Lori mentioned. His brother, Carlos, leads the team with two and a half sacks. Sophomore corner Cam Taylor Britt and senior safety Eric Lee Jr. are tied for the team lead with a pair of interceptions each. Before I get into my prediction for the game, I want to run through some of the game times for the day's biggest non-Buckeye contests. Number 8, Wisconsin will host Northwestern at noon on ABC in a matchup of two of OSU's next three opponents. Top-ranked Clemson will visit Chapel Hill and the Fighting Mac Browns of UNC at 3.30, also on ABC. Over on NBC will be number 10, Notre Dame, hosting number 18, Virginia. And on Fox will be number 21, USC, visiting the number 17, Washington Huskies. Michigan State, who the Buckeyes will host a week from today, will play Indiana on BTN, also at 3.30. Washington State and number 19 Utah should be an entertaining Pac-12 after dark contest on FS1 at 10 p.m. Eastern. And the always entertaining Hawaii Rainbow Warriors will visit Nevada at 10.30 p.m. on the Deuce. Anyway, back to Ohio State and their titanic struggle tonight. I do think that this one will belong to the Bucks, and I think that they're going to cover. Through four games, Justin Fields has accounted for 19 touchdowns. That's two more than Dwayne Haskins did through four games last year, and more than any Big Ten player has in the past 20 seasons. While save for his first run of the season, Fields hasn't really dazzled with his legs like many expected him to, but he has done so throwing the ball with 13 touchdowns and not a single interception. While I don't think that he will be as close to perfect as he has been through the first third of the season throwing the ball, I do think that we will see him run the ball a bit more today, and I think that Ryan Day will get the ball out of his hands quickly, especially early on, to compensate for the Huskers' rush. I think that we will see a healthy helping of J.K. Dobbins with some Master Teague mixed in. In the starter's first real four-quarter game of the season, I'll predict that Fields will throw for 275 yards and three touchdowns through the air with another score on the ground. Dobbins will go for 130 and two scores, and Teague will have 70 yards and a TD of his own. I also expect Chase Young to keep up his sack parade by getting a pair this week. And I think, depending on how much they have to throw the ball against the Buckeyes if they get down by a lot, he might even be able to get a third, which would push him to 10 on the season. Earlier this week, I told our Nebraska sister site, Corn Nation, that I was going to go 42-21 to as a score prediction, but the more I look at it, the more I think about it, the more confidence I feel in OSU's ability to score. So, I'm going to go 49-21 to as my pick for this game. All right, that's all we have for today. Enjoy the game. As always, Land Grant Holy Land will have you covered before, during, and after the contest. I will be mashing buttons on Twitter during the game, so please follow along and share your thoughts at LandGrant33, your Twitter home for all of Land Grant Holy Land's Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm. 
You can follow our friend Lori Schmidt on Twitter at Lori Schmidt. That's at L-O-R-I-S-C-H-M-I-D-T and her station at 610 WTVN News. I'm on Twitter personally at BWWMatt. That's BWWMATT. And if you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant Holy Land's one-of-a-kind podcast network where we not only bring you unique news, interviews, and analysis, but we've also got perspectives on sports and the Buckeyes unlike any other OSU podcast around. So, with all of that out of the way, there's only one thing left to say. Go Bucks.